What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Wildlife Control Podcast. My name is Kyle Waltz. This is episode 12. And on this episode, Chris Pope from the Coyote Trapping School podcast interviews me. I hope you enjoy it. So we're here today with Kyle Waltz. And I don't even know how to introduce you. you got so many uh, uh, things going on. I'll say the, the host of the Wildlife Control Podcast. And you can introduce yourself and give us a little background on yourself, Kyle. Sure. Uh, I don't know how, how far back you want me to go, but I've been in this industry now about 15 years. I've always been involved in wildlife control somehow, some way. Um, but my dad taught me how to trap when I was like 10. He's a fishing charter captain in Jacksonville, Florida. So grew up in the outdoors, grew up fishing and hunting like I'm sure a lot of your listeners did, um, and had to figure out a way to be involved in wildlife somehow and make a living because I couldn't imagine sitting behind a desk all the time, even though that's what I do now for right. the most part. Um, but learned how to trap when I was really young. Uh, worked for a forestry company right out of uh, high school for about a year. Um, uh, was the assistant to a caretaker for a 40,000-acre uh, property for a timber company um, and we basically did their wildlife management so we did do a lot of nuisance trapping wild pigs coyotes foxes bobcats um, uh, anything that was eating catfish out of a pond otters you know whatever Um, and then went from there to park ranger for the florida department of environmental protection was a park ranger for two years Um, did a lot of trapping with them for hogs um, and occasionally other things, picked up a lot of roadkill. Um, and uh, I think I was, I was funny story, um, they give awards out for anybody who does anything special as a park ranger, and I picked up more roadkill than any other park ranger in my district. Because I see a raccoon, I'm pulling over. I'm getting <laughs> that bad boy out of there. Because I always just wanted to look at stuff. Right. Um, so that's probably why I won that award. I don't know where that is. I'd like to pull it up, maybe put it in my office. Yeah. Um, after a park ranger for two years, I uh, I got fired, actually, from that job. Um, I'm, I'm a little bit rebellious, which is probably why I've leaned to kind of running my own businesses rather than working for other people. Um, and I ended up working at a golf course, and I hated it. I was doing manual labor, literally digging ditches. I just dropped out of college about the same time that I got fired as a park ranger. So get fired. I drop out of college. Two bad things. Um, was doing a job that I hated. Digging ditches. I was digging irrigation lines for a golf course community to install new new lines. And it was horrible. And all I could think about was my parents telling me every time we drove by a construction site on the side of the road, that's why you go to college. <laughs> so you're not digging ditches. And here I am, dropped out of college, got fired, and now I'm digging ditches. So I felt like a complete loser, and uh, it was tough. It was tough, and I'm working in this golf course community, very high-end. They're in Ponte Vedra, Florida, uh, one of the wealthiest counties in Florida is St. John's County, so I was working right there. Um, People are driving through the neighborhood in Ferraris and Lamborghinis, and you you have your housewives that are cruising through, and their Range Rovers and their Suburbans. And then one day, I was mowing, so I worked my way up from a – a grunt basically at the bottom of the totem pole to a mower which is like the highest I could be and I was mowing um, and I saw a wildlife control truck and I thought man I need to get in with those guys 
And uh, I literally hopped off my mower the next time I saw a wildlife control truck. I turned off my mower, and I sprinted over to the truck as he was driving by and was yelling at him, hey, hey, hey. <laughs> and the guy stopped. It was a guy with critter control. And I was, he's like, what, what's going on, man? I said, hey, are y'all hiring? He's like, you ran all the way over here to ask me if, you're hi- if we were hiring? I'm like, yeah. I was like, i got to get out of this place. And he's like, yeah, here's my business card. Shoot us an email, and maybe you know, maybe we can, uh, we can squeeze you in. They never got back with me. And I basically did that with every truck that I saw as I was working. Um, but I, I actually, while I was working in that community, it was only for a few months, I had picked up a little bit of side work. So I was doing landscaping after work. Um, and I, I worked so much, I just didn't have a lot of time to go find another job. By the time I got home, I was exhausted. So I uh, just kind of took the opportunity while I was at work to look for other jobs to get out of there. And finally ended up getting in with a small company that had just started. It was a startup. It was just the owner, and he had an investor. I still to this day don't know why he had an investor as a little one-man show mm-hmm. wildlife control company because it's just not necessary. Uh, but he did have an investor backing him up. And uh, I was their first employee, and I ran his company for two years, saw a bunch of red flags. Um, there were some serious issues, um, and the company I saw, the company was probably going under, and uh, sure enough, they did. They closed down like three years later, but I had left um, for a, a lot of reasons. One of them was they stopped paying me. Um, so reason. he had, it was only like one time. I went in, so we used to use our own money for fuel and um, expenses. So I would go out and pay for my own gas in my company truck. I would bring him the receipts and then he would reimburse me. And it was usually like around a hundred bucks. I remember going to him one day and he goes, we're gonna have to wait a couple days. I'm like, this is a hundred bucks. He's like, we're gonna have to wait a couple days. I'm like, all right. And then uh, I remember going to him one day and just saying, hey man, um, like I know that you're, you're struggling I, I don't want to like be a I don't want to be a problem like as an employee and I know that you can run this on your own if you had to um, would it be best if I left the company and he goes that would be really helpful hmm. and thank you for for noticing so I left and I ended up selling a lot of stuff right before I left with that which I know helped him out the customers paid right then and there I think I sold like um, like ten thousand dollars and I, I ended up making um, a big chunk of that um, in commission. He paid me really high commission. And uh, I took that off and was like, all right, I'm going to go work for a pest control company. And the reason I wanted to go work for a pest control company is because I saw at that time a lot of pest control companies were getting into wildlife control, but they didn't know what they were doing. Right. And I felt confident that I knew what I was doing in the industry and I could, I could help these companies. So... I went to a company, I'm not going to say the name, um, it's a very large company, and uh, they met with me. They already knew who I was because they used to pass us referrals, um, and they wanted to hire me for sure, which was good. They were going to offer me a big salary, which for me, it was like $50,000 a year plus commission. I did the math, and I was going to make like probably like hundred grand, yeah. which was a lot of money for me at that time, but I ended up saying no to them. And my parents freaked out. They're like, you just walked away from, like, the best opportunity ever. And I said, I said it to myself and I said it to my parents. I said, if I take this job right now, I am limiting my potential. I will never be what 
uh, I could be have I if I went off and did my own thing. Right. And um, that was kind of the moment where I decided I'm just going to go start my own business. And I didn't go after any of my old customers. In fact, everybody that called me, um, I would always tell them, hey, I'm not with that company anymore. I didn't volunteer that I had my own business. Um, I didn't have a non-compete, so I wasn't hurting anything there legally. Um, my old boss did find out and got very upset with me, but you know, it, that's that's what I, that was the decision I made. Right. And uh, you know, that's it worked out pretty well. I started my company and uh, we've grown it to be a pretty decent little company. Um, sold off my Florida most of my Florida operations uh, earlier this year. I still have two branches that I'm an investor in a silent partner, uh, and then I have multiple other locations across the country. Gotcha. Yeah. So. So that's, and that's, yeah, I, I found you, I actually been, been following First Coast Wildlife Services on Instagram for a little while. Just oh, to, really? Yeah, just to kind of, I, I always try to follow other people in the industry and see what they're doing, you know, on social media and all to try to mirror with my, with my budding uh, wildlife control business, you know, and, and try to figure out what other people are doing and how I can do stuff better. And then I came across your wildlife control podcast, and that's been a huge um, asset just from the standpoint of there's there's several other podcasts that I listen to. I uh-huh. listen to a lot of business podcasts, but none of them are geared toward wildlife, you know. No. And uh, there's a few kind of pest control podcasts that have some wildlife thrown in here and there, and I like those. I actually like getting the pest control aspect just because yeah. – uh, I think it helps to get a different perspective sometimes. Uh, sure. There's, there's people that are in the industry anyway. And then I found yours and just the uh, the information that that you're putting out about your journey and how to how to start and grow a business is, uh, in my opinion, hugely valuable. I appreciate that, and that's why I'm, I was excited to get a chance to talk with you and kind of uh, pick your brain a little bit about how a you know, somebody that's interested in the industry and in in running a business can become successful to the point of where they got multiple locations or potentially even selling a business. So Yeah, and that's that's exactly why I do it though, because I had so many dark times during that journey. Like when I talk about it it sounds all, you know, glorious and great. Um, if you're growing a business and you don't have a roadmap to follow, which I didn't, um, it can be really, really hard. And I don't know a lot of people I well I I do now, but as I was making those decisions to grow, I didn't really have anybody that had industry experience that was willing to give me information because they felt like I was a competitor. And I've always looked at it as, look, I think we're a small industry. I think we should all help each other. And um, I'm okay with helping out any competitor um, because I think that it's small enough to where they're going to help me in the future if they need it if they're a good person, so I think it's going to come back to me. But I really enjoy helping people. I like teaching. I've I've learned that over the years because I've trained so many people in our industry that work for our company. I get a lot of joy out of helping people and training and teaching people. But more than anything, I don't want everybody to experience all of the bad things that I had to experience, so I'm trying to help people so they can avoid those things. Um, Because you can obviously go at it on your own and guess, um, but it's much better if you have kind of a roadmap there and kind of an idea because a lot of the things that we do, we were talking earlier at lunch, a lot of the things that we do are very outside of the box. Um, and that's kind of how, how you should be thinking as an entrepreneur is 
you don't have to always follow a certain path. Um, you, you can kind of go your own way for sure. You just got to be smart about it and, you know, planning and preparing and all the things that we learned over the years that are helpful and seeing how some of the other bigger guys are operating. I've kind of just put all that knowledge together and, you know, it's, it's worked out. But we've definitely had some dark times, definitely had a lot of tough times. Um, I'm still working, you know, 60-hour weeks at least every week. I work every weekend. It's just in my blood. I'm a workaholic. Right. Um, I go on vacation before my wife wakes up. I take my laptop. I sneak out of the room, and I go downstairs, and I go sit in the lobby or wherever we are, and I work from 5 a.m. until she wakes up at 8 a.m. or 9 a.m. and get some work in, and I go back in and snuggle up with her again. So, um, you know, I, I think that if you have that, that mindset to go out there and build a business – you got to be prepared to really put in the time because right. I mean it's I've created habits I think that'll last a lifetime for me but you've got to be willing to do what most people are not willing to do but they're able to do right which is just putting in the work right. really so that that mindset is one thing that you know as coming up and, and a lot of the the folks in my audience are trappers and so uh-huh. you know when I when I came up as in high school as a trapper and you know I, I would go and to conventions and and all these other guys that I, that I got to know really well a lot of them had their own wild nuisance trapping business you know yeah. and I always thought that would be like the pinnacle uh, the the best thing possible but now where I'm at and looking looking at it is you know all those guys were one man shows you know they didn't have the the thought or really the desire probably to to grow their business yeah. But at the same time, they didn't really own a business. They owned their own job, right? Yeah. And so what? How do you get out of that? Yeah, yeah. How do you? How do you? How do you get? Well, you gotta want to get out of it. Sure. You gotta want it. So I mean, for me, my goals are ridiculously large, and I don't know. I really don't know where that came from. Um, I just think that. I'm chasing what my full potential is. I don't know what my full potential is. But also, I, I realize that I, I've had the opportunity to meet some guys and girls that are very, very successful um, in different industries, not in our industry. I, I know I do know a few now. Um, they don't open up as easily, though, because, you know, different industry for the same industry, and I think they're worried about giving me too much information. Sure. Um, but I've met some people that are very, very successful. I know a guy that he has a company that's a billion dollars a year, and I'm fortunate enough to be friends with him. Um, he works 40 to 50 hours a week. Okay, um, he has jets. He has the ability to kind of do whatever he wants. He still works 40 to 50 hours a week. So I guess the the logical way that I look at it is, if I'm going to work 40 to 60 hours a week, why not make as much money as possible? while I'm doing that. Like, if I'm going to do it anyways, right. why not just have the, the most unbelievable life ever? And a lot of people might say, well, I don't really want all of that. You know, my motivation is land. Yeah. <laughs> That's one of my biggest motivations. I love to be in the woods. When I'm out in the woods and I try to get out there at least, at least once every couple of weeks. Um, but when I'm out there, I just, I feel like I belong out there. 
Sure. Like, am I a part Native American? Or no, not? I'm not. <laughs> but I, I, I feel right. It just feels right to be out there. So my motivation is I want to own a ton of land. Land, is, it costs money. Yeah. Okay? you got to have some money. And I need to have enough money to where I can buy the land and I can build a big house on it because i got to keep the wife happy. Yeah. Uh, that means I have to have a swimming pool. Okay? <laughs> So I, I need I need these certain things. I don't need those things. Like I don't care about the size of the the house or anything right. like that. I'd be I'd be happy just putting a camper out there. But like, what, why stop at that though? Why not Why not go all the way, um, and and have a, a whole staff taking care of my property? We can go out there and trap coyotes together on my property, uh, manage the property, and you know have an extraordinary place for me to hunt and trap and play. So yeah, that, that's my strategy is build a big enough business and make enough money in the industry that I love and I, I really love what I do um, and then be able to have the most fun ever, right. you know, because, yeah, I can go and, and be on a hunt club and have fun and I can go into public land and have fun and I do both of those now. And there's something about that's like magical in my mind of having my own place. And that's kind of what I'm working towards is having that. I'm not materialistic. I'm not, I don't want a sports car. You know, I will always drive a GMC or a Chevy truck. Um, and that's just who I am. Um, so it's, it's not about the money so much. It's just about having freedom and also knowing that there's going to come a day where I don't really want to grind like I'm grinding right now. Right. And I want to know that I did everything possible to make that as easy as possible. Um, and I don't want to get too financial, but, you know, the there's going to come a time where all of us, we can't take care of ourselves sure. anymore. And I want, to, I want the best care possible for myself. Because um, I've seen other people in my family that did make poor decisions when they were younger. And I've asked them straight up, like, hey... Would you have gone back and changed anything? You know, if you could, would you change anything? Well, yeah, I probably would have would have worked harder when I was younger or whatever. You know, so I don't want to have any regrets. I want to know that uh, I did the best I could. Um, so that's kind of chasing that full potential. Sure. So for for those of us that are just early in this full potential journey, I mean, <laughs> one of the biggest the biggest um, issues in in growing that business is getting the business just to start with, you know, right? Yeah. Getting getting customers that are willing to pay you. Sure. So um, short of, of, you know, hanging your shingle out and, and you know, there's there's only so much you can do as one person to, to kind of spread your word. What, yeah. what are some tactical things, you know, that, that a, a new person can do? You know, um, I call it bootstrapping 101, which basically means you don't need other people's money. You don't need credit to grow a business. Eventually you will, I think. Um, but, you know, when you're starting out and you want to grow from a one-man show to, you know, just four or five people, you need to have the mindset that you are an investor in your own business, which is a true fact. Right. And you're a business owner. You're a business executive. Even though it's just one guy, you have to have that mindset today. Um, and you need to run your business today as if you already have four or five people working for you. And what I mean by that is when you go and look at a bigger company, they have operations manuals. They have a price sheet. They have you know legit contracts that an attorney has looked at and reviewed. Um, 
they have all of these things set up so that the business can work without the owner. You know, when you think about the biggest companies in our industry, so let's let's just talk about one company that I know a little bit about, uh, Critter Control. Mm-hmm. The owners of Critter Control, uh, they're they're not out not out there giving quotes. <laughs> they're right. they're not getting in an attic. Okay. They have a board of directors. There's a COO, there's a CEO, and there's a chairman. Uh, I think the CEO of uh, Rollins right now is John Wilson, um, who has a ton of experience in our industry. I believe that's who it is. I'm sorry if I'm wrong. Um, this guy's not going out there in the field. I'm sure he's meeting with with certain big-time clients and big-time vendors in the industry, but... He is working on his business, not in it. And I actually learned that from a book called The E-Myth. Honestly, I've never read the book. I only needed to read one sentence. And it was, work on your business, not in it. Successful businesses do not have the owners out there doing all the work. And the reason why is you can't grow if you're doing all the work yourself, meaning the services. Right. So what you have to do is create a structure that allows your wildlife technicians to do their job without all of your influence. Um, so at first, what that kind of looks like is you're going to be so freaking busy that you don't have any time to brush your teeth. That's what it's going to feel like. So I remember when I went from one to two, our revenue went from $48,000 a year. So I was profiting like 22000 around there, maybe a little bit more, maybe like 30000 So I was taking home 30000 That was my only income. Right. Uh, and that was in 2011. And then in 2012, we jumped up because I got a big contract uh, with a pest control company that was subbing us out. It jumped from forty-eight to like 230000 in 2012. So in the beginning of 2012, our revenue was going from $4,000 a month to like $16,000 a month. So four, eight, twelve, uh, quadrupled. Right. Quadrupled, literally like in one month. Um, so that was like the moment of, of my business where I was like, finally, like, although I was working more than ever, I just felt so good about it. My, my schedule was, you know, I was at my first customer at the crack of daylight. Anybody that I could service before daylight, like animals I didn't pick up from the day before, I was doing that before daylight. I was getting to people's houses at 5 a.m., sneaking in their backyard really quietly, tiptoeing, picking up the trap with the coon in it, putting another trap back, setting it up very quietly, trying not to wake up the dog, don't use a flashlight. You know, I'm sneaking. The customer's waking up like, uh, the raccoon got out. No, sir, I came by. No, you didn't. I've been here all morning. Sir, I came by at 5 a.m. You know, so I was willing to do whatever it took to get stuff done. And then I wasn't getting home until 8 o'clock at night. So I was grinding, and obviously I had enough profit coming in to know, okay, I need to hire somebody. Right. I am so busy. I was saying no to customers because I was I had too much work, which is can be a thing. You, you can only do so much. Yeah. I was booked way up. You know, if somebody has a snake in their house – they're not going to wait for you to come out tomorrow, usually. Yeah. They want you to come out right then and there. So I was having to say no to a lot of urgent calls. Stuff that wasn't as urgent, I was still able to take that in. But once I got to that point where I was just maxed out, working 100-hour weeks for consecutive multiple weeks, I realized I need to hire somebody right away. 
And as soon as you can afford to hire somebody else and still pay your essential bills, whatever those are, whether that's $30,000 a year or $50,000 a year or $100,000 a year, it's much easier if it's $30,000 a year. But as soon as you can afford to hire somebody else and pay them a decent wage, you should. And once you do that, now you just bought yourself time to do something. So now what do you do? Okay. So you're going to ha handle the overflow, whatever that work that wildlife technician can't get to. You know, you're going to book him up 40 to 60 hours a week as well. So he's slammed. Um, you take care of whatever he can't get to. So maybe you're going to be out there giving quotes to customers. You, know, you take the easy stuff. Right. Giving quotes to customers, um, picking up animals and traps, you know, stuff that is easy. You give the wildlife technician that you hire the stuff that takes a lot more effort, um, you know, attic cleanups and exclusion work and the, the far drive to go, you know, take care of a customer, pick up an animal or whatever, um, or check a trap, and you focus on the smaller things. My whole thing was... I want to focus on sales and trapping, and I gave all the exclusion and other stuff to a technician that mm -hmm. I hired, uh, who was a friend of mine, and we're still friends today. Uh, it doesn't work for me anymore. But then after I hired him, and he was maxed out, and I'm maxed out, what do I do? I hire somebody else, right. and I hire somebody else, and I hire somebody else. So every time I hired somebody else, I went back to the drawing board of saying, okay, how did I get the business that I have today? And I just repeated that over and over and over again. So... If it was leads from my own websites and my own efforts of marketing, I whenever I bought time for myself, when you hire somebody, you're buying time for yourself. So I freed up some of my time, and then I would allot a couple hours a day to, to focus on the marketing of the business or whatever it was. Or if it was uh, you know, property managers that were doing business with us, going and networking with property managers so I can get more property managers to, to send us work. And I just repeated that. A lot of times, right? Over and over and over again until we had the structure in place to where other people were repeating that for me. Um, and I mean, that's it. Sounds so simple, um, and it, it it is. It's really not that hard. It just requires a lot of work. Um, you know, when you it, I, I think I said this the other day on my podcast, but it took me more work to go from a six-figure company to a, a million-dollar company than it did for me to go from a million-dollar company to a multi-million-dollar company. Right. And the reason why is when you were, when I was a million-dollar company, I could afford to hire people. I had a profit to where I could sure. hire people to do a lot of the work for me, train them how to do it, teach them how to do it, and they went out there and did it. Um, you know, you just have to oversee those people. Sure. So that was that was the big shift that was extremely helpful for us. Right. Yeah. So early on, you know, your website was and still is a big driver for your for your leads. Yeah, websites plural. Right. Um, yeah. So that was that. That's a good point. Um, when I when I worked for the company before I started my own, the little startup. Um, he got all of his business from referrals from pest control companies. Right. And it's great to get referrals from pest control companies. And we've all heard the phrase, don't put all your eggs in one basket. He put all of his eggs in one basket, and he was 100% dependent on just pest control companies to get him business. And 
you know, it worked really well. Um, but the problem was around 2009, uh, 2010, a lot of pest control companies in Jacksonville, Florida, where we, where I live now and, and where I was working, um, they started doing their own wildlife control. So when you're a wildlife control company, you're expecting to get those leads and you have no other opportunities out there to get business. He didn't have a website. He didn't have anything anywhere else. That was it. 100% pest control companies. Worked really well for years. I think he's, he ran his business from like 2006 to 2012. So it lasted six years. Um, didn't do a lot of ads or anything like that or any at all. Um, and that's what was painful for his company is, is losing that. So when I started my company, I saw that because I knew what was going on. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm talking to all the people. I'm always very involved in the industry. And I'm like, well, it's very clear here. Obviously, technology is a big thing. And I wasn't thinking about smartphones because I don't even know if there was smartphones then. I definitely didn't have an iPhone. Right. I had some cheap Metro PCS flip phone. Um, and I just knew that I need to get on the Internet. Um so I went and created a free website at some crappy website place online and taught myself how to build websites and just slowly figured it out. And I think my second year of business, I got on the front page, so it took me 12 months. And, my, my, and I'm not an SEO, search engine optimization expert at all. I'm not going to claim that I am. But in my experience, and some guys that are, are probably going to laugh at me, but in my experience, I, I can usually get to the front page in 3 to 12 months um, if I want to target a specific area. Right. And it takes a lot of work. And I, we use multiple websites. I think our company right now, we sold off a few of them, but our company right now I think has like 15 websites that we manage in-house. Nobody else is doing that for us. And a lot of the work with those is just on the front end. Once you build it, it's kind of there. You do right. have to do a few updates here and there. But it's, you know, we have some sites that I haven't done an update on in three years, and it's number one in some areas. Right. Uh, or number two. Um, and my whole, my whole uh, strategy with the Internet and with business in general is I want to dominate. You know, wh whatever it is. If you're a trapper, do you want to go out there? If, if, if you know that there's... 10 coyotes in a block of woods, you don't want to just catch one. You want to catch them all. So how right. do I do that? Well, the more traps I set, the, the, it increases my odds, right? Right. So set as much, many leg holds as I can or whatever the situation is. Um, so with with business, it's no different. You know, what's the target? The target is the customer. How do I increase my odds of catching that customer's eyes? Well, I need more websites. So I don't want to be just number one on the front page of Google. I want to be number two. I want to be number three, number four, mm -hmm. number five. Like if in some areas, um, I don't know which ones, there's some areas in Florida though, where there's, there's 10 organic search results on Google uh, and we'll be like six or eight out of 10 on that page. So that's what I was going to ask you. Is that why you came, you started the, the other brands, the Conserve and the Expel? And the, is, is that where that so, comes from? <laughs> Kinda, not really though. Okay. So <laughs> uh, it ended up kind of working out well because of that. Actually, that yeah. was helpful. Um, 
because you see big pest control companies. I'm going to keep going to Rollins. The reason I keep talking about Rollins, which is the company that owns Critter Control, True Tech, Orkin, Home Team, Pest Defense, and a bunch of other companies, they are the largest pest control company in the U.S. Uh, eventually, they won't be. There's some other bigger companies that are going to they're going to beat them, I think, eventually. But they're an amazing company. Um, they do, I think, two billion dollars a year, so they they make a few bucks. Um, so I always look at what are the top guys doing? Because if I'm going to learn from anybody, I'm not going to learn from the bottom guy. Right. Why do I want to learn from? Oh, well, I'm not going to call up, you know, um, the local one man show and ask him for advice on how to grow my business. I'm I'm looking at what are the big dogs doing? What is the biggest dog doing in my industry? And I want to do what they're doing. So one thing that Rollins does that I love, they do a lot of acquisitions. They're out there buying companies. When they buy a decent-sized company, I don't know what the, the figure would be, but when they buy a, a decent-sized company, for them it's probably like around $100 million worth, uh, $100 million a year uh, business, they don't change anything. They keep the same name. The, everything stays the same. And if you go into some markets, they, they will have, uh, like in Jacksonville, Florida, for example, Orkin is there, True Tech is there, Critter Control is there, Home Team Pest Defense is there, and there's probably a couple others that I can't think of right now. So if you are a customer and you hate True Tech, you're like, True Tech sucks. Right. I hate True Tech. I'm going to call somebody else. There is a very strong chance that you will call, that customer will call Critter Control or any of their other pest control companies. Right. And they have no idea. So what does that do for Rollins? It gives them a higher opportunity to keep that customer. Sure. Yeah, one one of their brands lost that business, and those businesses run independently as their own entities. Sure. Um, but then that customer goes and jumps over to one of their other companies, and guess what? Rollins still got the money. Right. Either way, they got the customer. And maybe they were able to learn from that experience of, like, hey, yeah, I don't know if they have a internal system that flags a certain person's name and, I don't know how detailed that is, right? but uh, that was kind of my strategy is saying, well, maybe people won't like First Coast Wildlife Services um, you know, if we have these different brands advertising in the same areas through our own websites, maybe they'll, they'll hire us, and, and that happens a lot. Hmm. But it didn't happen on purpose because the reason that I created that second name, Expel, was I got my pest control license in 2014. And I didn't think that First Coast Wildlife Services was a good name for pest control because right. it says wildlife services. Right. It kind of narrowed down uh, what what I'm going to be doing for the, forever. So I, I started a, uh, Expel in 2014 as just a side brand. Um, you know, when customers would call, it could be a First Coast Wildlife truck that showed up. could be an Expel truck that showed up. Um, if they called both numbers, it might be the same person that answers the phone. Right. Um, so it was just a branding thing. And then as far as conserve goes, um, we started the brand conserve as well in 2014. And, uh, I, I'd done, I think I did that just before I did expel the expel name. And the reason I did that was, uh, simply because, First Coast, it sounds like a coastal company name, and I had opened up a branch in Birmingham, Alabama. So we had, because First Coast Wildlife Services is a coastal name, 
we decided to start a different name, and I'm big into conservation. Wildlife conservation is very, very important to me, and I wanted to create a brand around conservation, so that's why I started Conserve. So it's Conserve without the E at the end. Right. Just uh, and we did a little logo, and I just think it looks great. And now you know that's our that's going to be our biggest brand this year, yeah. actually. Um, so it's pretty pretty cool to see that. So what did your you know your ten other websites? What do those look like in conjunction to the your main website? Yeah, so um, some of them are just completely generic, and it doesn't have any brand names on them at all. Um, it's just wildlife control in whatever city, um, and that's pretty much it. It's very very generic. You know, it, it'll say on the website actually in most places that it's a directory. Right. Um, and it's only used by us. We have sold leads before um, to people, and we're still open to that now in certain areas. It, it, it's more profitable for us to actually put a guy there sure. than to sell leads. Um, so we try and focus on that if we can. But, uh, but yeah, it's just a numbers game. It's saying, okay, um, we're going to build these multiple websites. Uh, if we use kind of a different strategy with each one, one of them is going to end up on the front page eventually. You know, so and and that's just a way too to utilize um, probably one of the things that a lot of people don't know about is uh, Google My Business listing. Right. So you're familiar with that? Yeah. Google My Business listing is great. Um, so it it feeds off of reviews, and you could actually, if you know people, you know, within a a few, if you know people in your town or in your city that you live in and you want to grow your business, one of the easiest ways to do that is to dominate Google My Business listings. And you do that through creating multiple websites. That's that's really the only way you can do it unless you just don't have a website. But Google likes you to have a lot of content, so I always want to have all the content that they ask about for that that listing. Um, So with having multiple websites, we can go in and multiple names we can go in and create multiple Google My Business listings with different addresses. Because Google, what Google does, you go on there, you fill out your information, and it's very hard to get to it. You have to kind of search through Google to get to it because um, they don't want everybody doing it. Right. It's very clear. They want to make it challenging for you to list your business with them. And then um, we will you know, type in all of our information. And if we already have one for our business in that area, then we're going to use a different name, a different phone number, and a different website. So Google doesn't know that those two are the same. Um, and we send that postcard to a different address, somebody that we know, and we tell that person, hey, when you get the postcard, let us know. I have gone to gas stations, and you have an uh, Indian guy behind the counter, and I'm like, hey, man, you want to make 50 bucks? And some of them say, get the hell out of here. Right. And some of them are like, sure. Here's my card. Here's what's going to happen. You're going to get a postcard here. <laughs> when you get that postcard, take a picture of it, email it to me. When you email it to me, I'm going to drive over here and I'm going to hand you $50 cash. Sound good? Sure. I'm not going to put your address on there. If, if I do, you can complain to Google. Google will take it down, which they will. Right. Um, and that's what I've done. So in some, in a lot of areas around Jacksonville where we really dominated Google My Business listings, um, 
that's one of the ways that I did it. Or just use friends and family. You know, friends and family are helpful. Employees, um, you utilize them. Um, or even, you know, other businesses that you might know. Um, if you know other companies in those areas, I have a buddy that, that owns a construction company. He didn't want it in my business. I didn't want it in his business. So, you know, I, I want to dominate. You have to, you got to look at marketing as a domination thing. And you think about some of the bigger companies, like look at Coca-Cola. You go into a gas station. There's probably a Coca-Cola sign on the window. Um, they always have like the best um, upfront. You know, they're the first first that are presented right there in the soda area. Um, a lot of gas stations in different areas and stores have the fountain fountain drinks for Coca-Cola. They have the radio commercials. They have the TV commercials. They have billboards. Uh, you know, they're on the internet. They're everywhere. And that's kind of the way you want your business to be. Otherwise, you're taking a huge risk. And the risk is not as much sales as you would want. Right. Um, so it's better to have more sales than you want. <laughs> you're never going to have more sales than what you want. Right. It's better to have more than less. Right. So you just have to have that mindset of complete domination. It's very unlikely that you will be 10 out of 10 with Google. Right. But you can sure as hell try. Right. And that's what we've always tried to do. Yeah. And that's and just, just a huge difference. So we've been talking about the front page and just for the less technically inclined folks, we're talking about the front page of Google and just the fact that you know, everybody, when they've got a problem, the first thing they do is punch it into their phone or say it into their phone. Hey, Google, find me somebody to remove my raccoons. And yep. so whoever shows up, I mean, the, the data says if you aren't between one to three, odds are nobody's going to click on you. So yeah. that's why it's so important. And if you if you put your any kind of business information out there, you're going to get calls from folks trying to get you listed and improved on Google. And there's whole businesses around improving your SEO and pitching you on how they can provide that service for you. Yeah. And, you know, we've never really hired. We've hired a couple of people over the years, um, not so much to teach us, but just to kind of do it for us. Right. Um, but really all I've done is, I mean, I remember the first day that I sat down. I know exactly what I did. I sat down and I looked at who's on the top of Google right now. Yeah. And I literally wrote down keywords. And I think right now, I'm pretty sure you can you can look up um, the keywords that people are searching when it comes to wildlife control, yep. which ones are used the most. So it's just as simple as find those keywords that people are using, um, utilize those. So you want to put those on your website in different areas. There's, you know, uh, again, I'm not an expert when it comes to this. I've just kind of thrown the keywords in. There's different places where you can put keywords. Um, I do not know how to code. You know, I use the type of uh, we we run our websites with GoDaddy. Yeah. Um, we're not doing anything that most people can't do. Right. I think my my niece could could build most of these websites if she wanted to. Um, and it's just looking at what's who who's on the top page uh, or on the on the top of the front page. What are they doing? And I'm not going to copy them to a T, but right. I'm going to do something similar. Right. Just like I was saying with, about Rollins. You know, copy, you know, don't copy, but learn from the people that are doing really, really well. Yeah. Um, and that's the easiest way. Yeah. 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 I mean, there's so many, sir, it's, it's way, it's so easy to create a website. It's not, yeah. there's not a lot in it that a lot of people think. And 
these days, if you don't have a website, you're not a real business. Because if I if I see a name and I look them up and they they don't have a website, I'm going to find somebody else because I'm not you know I at the very least you can you know get a little bit of background and information and see you know yeah you know and, and your customers that are looking for the service they're all going to search different things you know you might want to um, you might want to do like a poll with your family and your friends and saying hey what would you search if you had squirrels in your attic and what would you search if you had a snake in your yard yeah you know and just write them all down right write them all down because um, I always ask I always ask people all the time that are not in my industry uh, what did you know when our, when our first of all you need to accumulate data. Data tells a story over time and helps you understand what you need to do in the future, just like you would with, with any type of trapping. Obviously, if you know a certain lure works, a certain set works, you're going to use that more often, right? right. So um, you need to do the same thing when it comes to your, your strategy with the Internet is identify what's working and, and get some data. So when we get a sale and we – we always ask our customers right there when we've, we've made the sale with the customer, how did you find us? And if it was from the Internet, not all of my, my guys do it. We tell them to. But I always ask the customer, uh, what did you search? I go one step further. Right. Uh, I don't know exactly. Well, can you look it up? <laughs> can you pull up your history on your phone real quick and tell me? Because yeah. I'd really like to know. And over the years, we've accumulated, accumulated data that way. And that has kind of given us a strategy of, of what works. Um, and But people are going to search different things, and that's why we have different websites that have some websites are more focused on specific keywords than yeah. others. Um, so it, it, that kind of diversifies us a little bit and increases our opportunities. Right. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So talking about... Talking about data tracking and all, I know from listening to the pest control podcasts, um, you know there's there's some software that you can kind of manage your customers and even your technicians through. Is there any kind of software on the wildlife side or anything that y'all use to you know, manage dispatching to jobs and different things like that? We, um, you know, we've been very old fashioned over the years. Right now, we're transitioning to pest pack. Yeah. Um, but uh, we've used other like CRMs like um, HubSpot. Um, we do a lot, we use a lot of spreadsheets still. Sure. Um, sometimes that can be bad. Um, I know that we are behind the ball there. Um, but I think you know part of the reason why too is a, a lot of that software, not all of it, but the the pest control focused software like PestPack, it's not cheap. Right. So that's something that, that costs a good bit of money, and for a smaller organization, I would highly suggest you don't use it right. <laughs> unless somebody else is paying for it for you. Right. Um, because cash is everything. And, you know, PestPack is a routing tool. Uh, I think you can process credit cards through it. Um, you know, obviously it's like a built-in CRM. It, the, the reports that you can pull out of that thing are amazing, mm. without a doubt. And they are, you know, reporting is extremely important, but you can certainly do it without it. Um, so for years, we ran our business just with Google, Google calendars, Google Sheets. Um, Google is free. Right. And uh, there's there's a lot of tools with Google that people don't realize. So you just got to go in there and play with it. Um, there's budgeting tools. There's financial tools. There's all kinds of good stuff with that. Yeah. Um, you know, we obviously we use QuickBooks for accounting which is great. Uh, it's very helpful in us running the business and d getting reports when we need them. Um, 
but yeah, that data, your sales data, um, your scheduling, all that stuff, it is very important. Right. So one thing, one thing that I think a lot of new trappers and new folks trying to get into the industry do a bad job of is charging enough. Yeah. Can you give us some give us some ideas or pointers about how to how to appropriately think about how we're charging and make sure that we're charging yeah. what we should be what well, our value is yeah um, you know you should not you should not think that you're any less than the big guys if if the if the biggest company in our industry is charging X you should charge X also um, maybe you charge a little bit less but if 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 you're going less, let's think about that for a second. If you're reducing what the big guys think the value of that service is, and they put a lot of thought into that, right. I can promise you, they put a lot of thought in that. Um, you're discounting yourself. Like you think you're less valuable than the technicians for these other companies. Why would you do that? Right. Um, if you're just as good as they are, you should be charging what they charge. And there are companies, their strategy is to charge a lot less than everybody else. And that might work when you're really, really small. I know when I first started out, I was charging so little for things. And the reason I was charging so small was I was afraid. Yeah. I was afraid of rejection. I was afraid that the customers were going to say no, and I wasn't going to get the sale at all. And it was because I just didn't have enough opportunities. Right. I didn't have enough leads coming in. You know, when I was starting out, I would get like two or three leads a week. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, when I got a lead, I was going to sell it. Right. Even if it was under. every one of those. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of them, I couldn't even afford to get to the lead. I didn't have any gas. So I had to go borrow $5 from somebody to get gas in my tank to get to the lead and get a check so I could get the check deposited and get a trap for the job and come back and get it set up. So, you know, you, you shouldn't charge any less, in my opinion, than the big players because you're just hurting the whole industry as a whole. Um, and also, if you want to grow your business, you got to remember that some of the customers that you have today are still going to be around when you're a big business. And the last thing you want is to have to tell a bunch of people, hey, we're bigger now. I got to charge you more. Right. So, and, and we have had to grandfather some people in that I sold in the beginning of the business that are still with us now. We don't want to change their price because, sure. you know, they're a valuable customer. We're still making money off of them. Man, we could have made a lot more had right. I had I made some better decisions early on. So you know, don't discount yourself. Yeah. Um, there's there's a reason why the prices are what they are. Um, you know, when you're cutting them in half, you're really you're just taking money out of your own pocket. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot what a lot of us don't do is sit down and think about what are all the true costs that are going uh -huh. into doing a job like yeah. your cell phone, like. Your vehicle, your tires, your insurance, not just your company yeah. insurance, but your vehicle insurance, gas. Yeah. Uh, you got to value your time. If you're not, then, you, you know. And then the, another thing that I, I went through a kind of a project recently and, and thought about it is, you know, talking about at the end of the day, doing all your reports and filling out your data, I mean, that's going to take a couple hours that yeah. you need to be getting billed. You need to be billing somewhere, so you need to factor that into your into your cost as well. Yeah, it's there's so much to do. <laughs> there's yep. so much to do. It's exhausting. Um, but, yeah, no, you, you have to figure that out. You know, we try. When you're a one-man show, I think you should be running close to about a 50% margin. 
Um, some people might disagree with me. That's just in our own experience. Um, whenever we've created a one-man show operation, we remove the big overhead, just him on his own. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about a 50% margin. And as we grow, you know, 25%, 20% is kind of our goal. Uh, some some markets that we're in do less than that. Some of them do 10. Some of them do 5. Um, but our goal as a whole is 20 to 25%. Uh, that's completely out the door. Like, all expenses are, are, are handled. Right. Uh, we've, we pay our office rent. We've paid everything, and that's what's left. Uh, it doesn't always work out that way. So uh, you really, for us, it just depends on the sales rep and the technicians and, you know, making sure all the jobs are priced correctly because you decrease those those job prices, obviously that's going to affect your bottom line, your, your profit, your take-home pay. So you got to consider that. Um, but, yeah, like you said, you should sit down. You should figure out all of your costs. What can I – what expenses are there that I cannot live without to run my business? And what expenses are there going to be in the future – that I don't have yet that I know I'll need when I'm bigger. Because if you do want to be bigger, you should be thinking about that today. Right. And sometimes it's very difficult. I had a meeting earlier this morning, um, and it was it was in regards to where we're going to be in a year. Yeah. Um, and we're, we're planning for that financially. So you just got to think about those things. Yeah, and even, you know, talking about the bigger part, you know, I mean, there's a lot of folks that are not going to want to grow to – 10 plus locations but even if you just you know trapping and running the business in your area in my opinion it's worthwhile to at least give the thought of hiring at least one other person because anytime that you want to take time off you're losing money and you may not be able to take the time off because you realize that hey this is going to cost me x amount of dollars to go on this trip not to mention whatever the trip costs so yeah um, yeah you can you can trap yourself right as a trapper in your own business because look you know i know guys that paint houses for a living i know guys that cut grass i know guys that cut trees i got a lot of buddies that work in the blue collar industry and it's different there than it is with us because of the sense of urgency like Nobody's going to call you in the middle of the night saying, paint my wall. Right. You know, they're not, they're not calling in the middle of the night saying, I need my grass cut right now. Um, we get those calls. You know, we get a snake call on, at 7 p.m. on a Friday, and they want it done right then and there. Yeah. And if, if, you know, that lead for me, if I look at it probably a lot different than a lot of people, I'm not worried too much about the $289 for the snake or the $300 or whatever you're going to charge the person to go out and get the snake. I'm thinking that customer probably has a rodent issue or might have a rodent issue. Right. Or that person might own a bunch of apartment complexes or they might work for somebody that owns a bunch of apartment complexes or they might work for somebody that is a huge warehouse that has bats. Like I go way deep. Yeah. So every lead for us, we want to get to. Um, and I had a buddy that uh, works in our industry, um, and I introduced him to a very large client in the area that he worked in, and he went on a, a cruise. So he got the, the big client. He was a one-man show. Yeah. He got this big client, probably a $100,000 a year client. And right after he got the client, started doing work for him, he said, well, hey, I'm going to be gone for four weeks, going on my honeymoon. Well, guess what? When he came back, that client wasn't there anymore. Hmm. They were gone. 
Um, so, look, in our industry, you've got to be available. You, may not, you don't have to be available 24 hours a day, but you certainly should be available seven days a week. Right. Um, if it's a one-man show, like, okay, I'm working seven days a week in the field, when am I going to do my accounting? Right. When am I going to do my my admin work? Like, all that stuff piles up, and before you know it, you're like, screw it. I'm not even going to do it. Mm-hmm. And now I don't even know how I'm running my business. Right. Like, I don't know the numbers. I don't know the sales. I have no, All I know is I got money in my account, and uh, I got a bunch of customers that need service. Yeah. Uh, and it piles up. So, you know, you want to get to a point to where – you should at least have a little bit of freedom for yourself to where you can hire a manager to manage a few technicians. I think um, I think three or four technicians and a manager is is like that first threshold that allows you to kind of get bigger from there if you want to. If you just want to keep running it where it is, one location, you can certainly do that. Um, but you know, having enough revenue coming in to be able to afford a few technicians and a manager gives you a lot of freedom as an owner and gives those employees freedom too. Um, gives them the ability. Cause if, if you just have one technician and he's doing everything, um, that's still really tough on you because what if he calls in sick, right? Right. <laughs> you, you decide you're going to go on vacation and he's like, I got the flu. I ain't leaving the house. And you got traps. You got to be checked. Yeah. And the DNR or whoever, they don't care if you're sick. you got to yeah. check those traps. That's right. Um, so, you know, every state's different there. But, so, yeah, one employee is very risky in my opinion. Um, you should have enough employees to, to know that, you know, if one goes down, I still have somebody else. Right. Um, or a couple more people. Because that does happen. You know, people have lives. You know, we had a guy um, earlier this week, a friend of his passed away, so he had to go, you know, help help that family out and deal with the funeral and all that and you know that's not planned a lot of this stuff is not planned you don't know when you're going to get sick you don't know when somebody's going to have a, a death in the family um those things happen and if you're if you're really small it's certainly going to affect your revenue you know if you ever hurt yourself you know god forbid you hurt yourself and you can't get out there and, and service customers if they've already paid they're going to be upset right. they want their money back right um and now you can't say yes to new customers coming in. Yep. So it's extremely risky. Right. You can do it. I did it for years. but uh, and, and luckily, I never really had any major problems. But you just never know. Yep. You never know. You might. I hope you don't, but you could fall off a ladder, fall off a roof, get in a car accident. Right. You just never know. So you got to think about those things. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Well, talking about those things then, you know, as I – as I've done this, as I get into attics and I'm walking on rafters, you know, uh, evaluating jobs and things, the one thing that's always in the back of my mind is, you know, if my foot goes through this roof or something like that, I've got insurance, right? But uh, have you had any of those uh, situations where you've had to call on that insurance or, or do something to? So in 10 years in business, I've never made a claim with our general liability insurance. Right. Ever. Have we gone through ceilings? You dang right we right. have. Many times. Uh, there was, I mean, we do a lot of insulation replacement. Yeah. So when you're up there pulling insulation, replacing it, um, guys get fatigued, especially in the summer. Sure. And they're not doing it on purpose. They're right. just really, really tired, and they probably should have come down 30 minutes ago, and they're trying to get it done. Um, and, you know, somebody slips a, a foot through the ceiling. Yeah. I have had a guy fall all the way through before. Hmm. And he was fine. 
but uh, yeah, you got to you got to be careful. But no, I've never had any uh, claims. Proud right. to say it, actually. That's 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 yeah. good. Yeah, um, of course we've had workers' comp claims and yeah. auto insurance claims, um, but but no uh, no general liability. So, well, can you talk about from the insurance side? You know, so far as the, the the liabilities and, and what you consider as a bare minimum for somebody get, just starting out. Oh man, I think we have like two million dollars of coverage. Mm-hmm. I don't know all the numbers honestly off the top of my head, um, but you know we have enough insurance to where if we burn your house down, we could probably buy you know build you a new house. Right. Um, you know I think you should look at when you're first starting out. If if you're cautious, you're you're probably not going to have any issues, and. You know, your cash flow is extremely important. Um, so, you know, when I was starting out, I got the cheapest insurance possible. That was my state minimum. So every state um, has different insurance requirements. So I looked at my state's insurance requirements for my line of work, and uh, and I, that's the insurance that I got, right. the cheapest one. And I think it cost me like 70 bucks a month. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of different options out there. Um I will say who we have right now is Christian Baker, which is yeah. well known in our industry. Yeah. If you are a member of the Nuisance Wildlife Control Operators Association, I think it costs like four hundred dollars a year or five hundred dollars a year. Um, and that if you have a handful of employees, that is the best insurance for the money. Um, and they focus on wildlife control operators. Right. So what I actually just met those guys a couple weeks ago in Vegas. Yeah. I got to shake their hands. And thank them for for uh, their dedication to the industry because that's super helpful for us. Sure. Um, but before that, I think I just called like my local agent and got in with a company and stuck with them until we got too big. Um, they weren't willing to go any any larger than that. Well, with another company that was overcharging us ridiculously. Um, and it, there, you know, the way I looked at it was, we don't have any claims. You know, nothing's happening. Why is my insurance going up? They were charging us based off of our revenue. Right. So as revenue was increasing, they were increasing the insurance. And we weren't having any claims. Right. So uh, we were on the auto side, but not not on the uh, liability side. So shopped around, and I uh, actually found the uh, Christian Baker policy from another industry um, guy, uh former owner of Wildlife Solutions, um, Steve, he introduced me to them, and uh, it's been extremely helpful for us. I mean, it's all, you know, there's that, that's one thing is, you know, when you're running your business and you're really, really busy, it's easy to just cut corners and just buy what's convenient. Right. You know, when you're able to work on your business rather than in it, you have a little bit more time to put some serious thought into some of these purchases, um, you know, certain costs that are monthly or annual that you know you're going to have, take the time and shop around because you might find, you might call somebody up and be like, wow, this is a good price. And you write it down and you write down the name of their company and their phone number and say, okay, I'll get back to you. But then you call somewhere else and it's half as much. Right. And it's the same coverage. You know, insurance is insurance. Yeah. Um, so, you know, we have insurance because we're legally required to, honestly. Right. I mean, if, if, if our customers didn't ask for it as often as they did, I wouldn't even have it. Yeah, I wouldn't even have the general liability. And if I did, it'd be a lot smaller policy. Sure. Because we've never, never needed it, and I hope we never do. Right. Um, and I think you probably should have some of it, but you know, some of these policies, I think, in my opinion, are kind of silly. Yeah. So. 
So you talk about the going to the Nucoa yeah. meeting in Vegas. So how how was that? Are you? I assume you're a member of. I am. I am a member. That was the first meeting I've ever been to, um, and it was good. It was very informative. I will say that s- some of it wasn't my favorite, um, but there was some good stuff. I learned some good things. There were some you know industry leaders there that were very helpful. Um, it was a, ne- a networking opportunity for us to, right. to learn from other people and, and you know help other people. Um, but yeah, overall it was good. Obviously, if you're in Vegas, you're going to have a good time no matter what. Yeah. So I think a, a few of us that I talked to after the fact, after we flew flew home, uh, we all got a little sick. Uh, so there was definitely some bugs hmm. floating around up there. You know, casinos are a dirty place. Right. So who knows what the heck I caught. But I was I was out for a few days and I had a cough for like two weeks and uh, by a week ago I finally got over it. So, but no, it was it was great. I I, I definitely recommend that people go there. Yeah. If you're if you're starting out, I think that is a great thing to go to. If you can, yeah. I think next year it might be in Charleston. I know it has um, been in the past. Um, can't I can't remember where it is, but but no, I'm definitely going to plan on going every year because it was a good experience. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking when I'm when I'm going to any conference like that. I'm looking for a million bucks. Right. Uh, and the same thing when I open up a book. Where's a million dollars? I'm looking for an opportunity for me to, to increase my revenue and learn something new. And that's that's a great event to, to learn from. Hmm. That's that's been on my my radar. I I'm, I appreciate getting somebody's yeah. perspective that's been there, but yeah. especially for a new uh, yeah. a new person. Yeah, there's all kinds of courses that you can take right. if you want to learn more about, you know, just different uh, species that we control. You know, there's there's so much to know about our industry and all the little things, you know, about bats and birds and rats and beavers and everything. It's it, you you got to constantly be be learning about those things. Uh, otherwise, you will get caught in the dark, and your right. competitors are going to be way ahead of you with right. new products and new ways to do things. So, you know, and, and I, I'm trying not to draw on a lot of stuff because you've got some podcasts out that cover a lot of this stuff. But, you know, you talk about in, in some of your podcasts opening, you open 11 locations in 11 months. I, 10. 10. Okay, 10. 10 in 10 months. 10 in 10 months. One a month. That's what I, I yeah. that's I listened to that one and that's when I sent you an email because yeah. I said, you know, I was listening to this and I've been, I've been <laughs> mulling around with trying to grow this business for a year and a half now. Yeah. And you're opening a location in a month. Like, yeah, well, it took me, let's see, that was in 2017, so it took me seven years to get there. Right. And I'd already been in the industry, you know, directly doing nothing but trapping for nine years and then, you know, had other industry experience before that. Um, yeah, I mean, what do you want to know? Well, so I guess, you know, it, it definitely took you some time to get there, but at the same yeah. time, you're putting, you're, you're hiring people for roles, you're expecting to be generating jobs and cash flow pretty quick with yeah, those immediately. So, so what? And, and I don't want to get into your secrets, but you know, what's kind of a, your tactics for you know going yeah. in in a new place in a month and and having you know work basically? Yeah, leads. One word, leads. You got to get the leads somehow, some way. Whether it's through your own websites or you're buying them or whatever, just be careful about buying them. You know, for us, we didn't really have an exact plan other than we need the leads. Right. Uh, so we were willing to do whatever it took to, to get those leads. Um, but we actually found out the leads that we were buying, we were overpaying for them. 
So as soon as I could get out of them, we got out of them. Um, and our own websites were generating leads after that. Mm-hmm. We still did a little bit of advertising, but it was a lot more controlled advertising, meaning I can turn it off and turn it on right. whenever it's convenient. Um, but our, our strategy was really simple, actually. We looked at the entire United States. Um, we knew that we wanted to open up more locations because a third of our revenue in 2016 came from two outside territories that we had built that were just one-man shows, sales and service. They weren't doing anything extraordinary. I think each little little territory was doing like um, 150 to 200,000, so not a whole lot in revenue. Um, and we just looked at, okay, where do we want to go and where can we get the leads from? So we, we found out where we could get leads just by uh, doing our own research, mm. um, finding companies and doing our own due diligence to find how often are people searching on the internet for our services in those areas. And we focused on the areas that had the biggest opportunities on the front end of those those 10 locations. Um, and we kind of created a plan to go in order from one place to the next. I hired one guy to do nothing but go out and open those territories for me. So the process was, first we needed to create a, a, a schedule. We're going to go, we went to uh, Tallahassee in January. We went to Charleston in February, uh, Charleston, South Carolina. We went to uh, New Jersey in, in March, so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. So we, we knew we had that plan. We got with a marketing company that was going to give us the leads in that, like they knew the schedule. We know that you're going to open at that time. We wanted the leads to come in a week before we opened them. Why? That way, day one, we already had appointments. Right. So while that guy that we hired is training in Jacksonville or wherever he's training, um, we already had appointments set up for him when he got there. Right. So we, we they would fly to Jacksonville, typically, and train in Jacksonville. Um, we, were, we were doing interviews with them at their location. So... Kind of hard to do, um, and, a, and a risk in itself. There was times where we scheduled ten interviews in a specific location, which was a flight away and hotel stay and all that. You know, mm-hmm. there's cost involved. Sure. Um, I have a guy that's getting paid, you know, good salary to go out and do all that, and he has ten interviews and two show up. You know that happens. Right. <laughs> it's unbelievable. It's it's amazing that people will do that. No call, no show, nothing. Um, so we had times where we had to fly to certain areas multiple times to do interviews. And we'd go and do them in a hotel um, and knock them out. And then after we hired them, we, we'd fly them to Jacksonville. Um, they would stay in a hotel. Again, that costs money. Right. They're staying in a hotel for usually at least a week, sometimes two weeks. Uh, we're training them there on everything. We're showing them all of our operations manuals and running them through the training and then we're then they they have a company truck which I went and got it financed as we get new one one location going go to the next uh, location and finance another vehicle and they drive that one back to uh, the location the new location gotcha. and when they get there they already have appointments or at least they already have leads coming in if they don't have appointments right we already had an idea of how many leads that we were going to be getting um, and it worked flawlessly yeah. Honestly, it was a piece of cake. It was almost too easy. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of work for me as the owner. 
a ton of paperwork to do business in all of these different states. Right. So it took a lot of work to get into the states to um, be able to pay employer taxes, and um, there was there's a lot of things that I did wrong that cost me millions of dollars. Um, but you know, it was a good experience. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. So. Um, Had something slip my mind. So what? I guess kind of winding things up. What are? Do you have any recommended books or materials or you know any anything yeah. for? You said you said I don't know if it was here when we were eating lunch that your regret was that you didn't think big enough from the start. Oh, absolutely. You know, you you. I think what happens is. Um, you know, if you are a one-man show right now, you might not have these huge goals. I think what happens over time is you, you know, you go from making fifty thousand to a hundred thousand dollars a year, and all of a sudden, two hundred thousand doesn't seem that crazy. Right. But when you're making fifty thousand, two hundred thousand just seems crazy. And when you're making two hundred thousand, you think, well, I can make four, and I can make eight, and then I can make a million, and I can make so on and so forth. So knowing that I've kind of hit some of those thresholds over the years and knowing that um, I should have just went all the way to begin with because I would have got there a lot faster. You know, speed is important, but you also got to be careful and you also need to be thoughtful about things. So, you know, there's there's not a right or wrong way. I think, you know, one thing that really got me in the right mindset was, uh, you know, before I started growing my business, I had that big contract with that pest control company I was talking about earlier that called me up. They were giving me about $230,000, $250,000 a year in revenue. They called me up and they said, hey, Kyle, um, so we're going to start doing all this work in-house now. We don't need you. And I was like, oh, God, are you serious? They're like, yeah, we, we don't really need you anymore. I'm like, Okay. So that revenue paid for a few of our employees. Right. Um, so I had to go sit down now with people, and it was only a few of us. It was like four, I think there's five of us at the time, and tell them, hey, we are going to have to figure something out here because I just lost a, a deal that was paying for several of you guys. we got to figure this out. And we didn't really figure it out that fast, so I had to lay off a few people. Right. And it upset me. Like, I remember crying. Like, I don't think my employees really saw that I was crying, but I definitely got teary-eyed because, you know, when you're really small like that and you're working with people for a couple years, you get really close to them, and they're like family. And, uh, you know, my mom was actually working for me at the time, helping me with the accounting and answering the phones, and that was kind of like our receptionist. Yeah. And, uh... I decided, I was like, you know what, I need to, I'm doing something wrong here. Like, I, I did something wrong. I felt like I really made a huge mistake, even though it really wasn't my fault they stopped doing business with us. It was a big corporate en- entity that sure. you know, made those decisions. But I was like, I'm doing something wrong. I don't want to ever have to do this again. So I started to educate myself about business and, and learn more about the industry. Because before, I was kind of just on autopilot. I had this great deal. You know, jobs were coming in every day. I wasn't having to do a whole lot. I was kind of in my little zone, and I got comfortable. Honestly, I got very comfortable. And when you're not growing, 
there's that, that risk of contraction, of getting smaller. And that may or may not be what you want, but it's likely to happen when you're not pushing hard to grow. So in business, you gotta always be growing. And I was not pushing hard to grow. And the reason I wasn't pushing hard to grow is because I didn't educate myself enough. I wasn't educating myself enough on finances. I wasn't educating my, myself enough on how to grow a business in general, in any industry. Right. So when all that happened, I made that decision of, I'm gonna replace music with podcasts and YouTube videos, and I'm not listening to music anymore in the truck. Um, I'm, cause, cause I didn't have a whole lot of free time. Right. I'm driving everywhere all the time. Yeah. Still do now. Um, so I replaced all of the music that I love that I was listening to with information from people. I picked people that I could do research on. One of them was Grant Cardone. Yeah. And I looked this guy up and I, I knew that one of my problems was sales. And a lot of people hate Grant Cardone, and he does some funny things for sure. But this guy knows how to sell, and I, I know he knows how to train people how to sell because he has a huge sales team. There is no way you can have that big of a sales team if you're not selling anything. So he's clearly they know how to sell, right? right. So I'm going to listen to the best person that knows how to sell. So that was the person that I chose, and I really listened to a lot of his free information. It's free. Um and he has a lot of YouTube videos about growing your business and finances and all these things. And the guy's probably worth close to a billion dollars now. Um, and that really changed my mindset because it was like a wake-up call. Like, oh, wait a second. I'm comfortable now. And he's talking about don't get comfortable and all these things that I was I was doing that were not helping me. Um, you know, there were certain people in my life that were bringing me down that weren't giving me the right mindset to grow. Um, you know, people, there's going to be people in your life when you make that decision of I'm going to be the best person that I can be that are not going to like it. Right. Because they don't want to be the best person that they can, they want to be, uh, or, or they do, but they're not willing to put in the work. That's the reality is anybody can do whatever they want to do, but most people are not willing to put in the work. Right. Most people are not willing to get up at 4 a.m. every day. Right. You know, most people are not willing to work 12, 15 hours a day. There's, there's so many distractions these days. So I got rid of a lot of those distractions, just put my head down and focused, and I really have never lifted my head up since then, of going as hard as I can to be the best that I can I can be. And that education, that self-education through podcasts of listening to people like Grant, um, finding Michael Gerber, the guy that wrote the E-Myth, work on your business, not in it. Um, and ever since then, I, I read and I get information every single day. Like my, my schedule is I wake up at four, I read for an hour or listen to a podcast for an hour. Um, I work out for an hour, I take a shower, then I head to work and I'll, I'll work for 10 to 12 hours, come home, eat dinner, do a little bit more work, go to bed, do it over again. And the weekends kind of the same thing, but I don't put a full 10, 12 hours in. Usually I'm just working a few hours. Right. And, and that's my schedule. So getting all that education is super important because you can't expect to achieve great things in business if you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. And nobody's born knowing what to do in business. Right. You've got to learn. And I suggest you learn from somebody who has proven experience. Right. Not just anybody because there's some guys out there that don't have any experience. The only experience that they have is telling other people how to run their business. Yeah. So you just got to be careful. So I only I only listen to people that have very high net worths from growing their own companies. 
and actually growing a legit business, um, not just a business that's, you know, selling people other business right, stuff. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's been very, very helpful. And uh, I think that was a game changer. And I think we were talking about thinking big, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's when I started to think big. And, you know, looking back at, I was telling you this earlier, looking back at 10 locations in 10 months, why didn't I do 20? Why didn't I do 100, you know? So you 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 just have to realize that as you – as you hit certain thresholds, I think your mind's going to expand, even though right now you might not be thinking, oh, I'm not going to want all that or I don't want to do all that. I would suggest you just go for it anyways. Right. Because when you go really, really big, if you only go halfway, if you only make it halfway there, you're still doing really good. Yeah. If you only make a fourth of the way there, you're still doing really, really good. Right. Um, it's easy to compare yourself to other people and think that, you know, Oh, I'm doing so much better than this person, though. Uh, I, I don't even think about that. I focus on my own stuff, my own business. I don't really know what everybody else is doing and and, and revenue, and and uh, I only look at the really top players. I don't look at the guys that are, you know, equal or below me. Mm-hmm. I'm focusing on Rollins, you know, Terminex, Service Master, uh, Anti Cmax, Renekill, all those big companies in our industry. That's who I'm looking at. We're right. not looking at anybody else. Um, because they're doing something that's very impressive. Um, so I think that's that's who you should be learning from. Right. So one thing I wanted to touch on, and kind of you hit on on your story there, but you talk in your podcast about subcontracting. Yeah. And, you know, going out and reaching out and to all your competitors. Yeah. Uh, something that, you know, yeah. no, but not is going to be the top of mind for everybody. No, hey, you know what's really funny about that is um, – I'm not going to say who it is, but there's a company in the southeast, um, a wildlife control company, and I reached out to them randomly one day and actually formed a great relationship with them. And he had a multi-location business. I have a multi-location business. We're about uh, around the same size, I think. He may have been a little bit bigger. I'm not really sure. I don't know his numbers. But um, as if, if he ever had a location go down, and he had the leads coming in, he would give me the leads for free. Hey, get, hey, I have a guy down in that area. You want the leads? Sure. If I had that happen, I gave him the leads. Right. I scratched his back. He scratched mine. So I, we had that business relationship. We never hung out outside of work. Um, but uh, it's you just never know. You never know. Um, you're going to get people that aren't going to tell you anything and aren't going to help you. But then you might run into somebody like myself that I will help you. Like... Uh, if, if, if somebody reaches out to me and, and wants help, I'm going to help them. Right. You know, certainly not going to, you know, give away a, a sale or anything like that yeah. if I can do it myself. But, you know, I think that as an industry, we are very small. I said this earlier. We're such a small industry. And I think you'll be very surprised to see that. And I, and I saw that at the Wildlife Expo in Vegas. A lot of us can work together. Um, and there's opportunities out there for yeah. sure. You know, when you reach out to pest control companies um, and other wildlife companies, you got to think there are companies out there that get too much business. They, they can't get to it fast enough. You know, they might be booked up for two months with exclusion work or with insulation work. 
there's an there's an opportunity there. They might do it themselves, but if they're not willing to uh, have their customers wait that long, a lot of them will sub it out. Right. And they'll still, you know, they'll take a little bit of a fee on that. You know, they're not giving you the whole job. Yep. They're subbing you out. So let's say the job's a thousand bucks. They're going to give it to you for eight hundred bucks or five hundred bucks. So if you can, if it works for you, then hey, go for it. Um, so there's tons of opportunities there with that, with pest control companies and other wildlife control companies, right. for sure. Yeah, that's something, like I said, I, I really appreciate the tactical nature of your podcast and the, yeah. just the, the I, stuff I that I try you to can, be detailed. Yeah, that you can just <laughs> take and, and, and put into to application and stuff that, you know, somebody from the outside looking in is not going to call the their neighboring or the, the little bit bigger yeah. wildlife company in the in their area and say hey you know i just want to introduce myself i do i yeah. do the same job you do you know that yep so yeah uh, you should um you should go to the front page of google search wildlife control or whatever keyword you want to search and you should call every company on that thing uh you should look up the owners of those companies on linkedin and message them and go to lunch with them um you 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 might not get anything as far as like leads from them you might not get any subcontracting from them, but you might just get a little slice of information of something that they're doing that can really help you out. Right. They, they might say, hey, we're using this new product. Have you ever heard of it? And you're like, oh, my God, I've been looking for something just like that. You just don't know. So, you know, business, a big part of business is, is relationships and networking, just like we're doing right here right now. Right. Um, and there's just little things that you can learn from other people that can highly benefit you. You know, if you stay stay locked up behind closed doors all the time, um, nobody's going to know about you. And, uh, you know, I, more times than not, I've had opportunities for meeting with competitors. Right. Um, there's been a few bad experiences for sure. Sure. But I think there's been more good than bad. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I mean, is there anything else you wanted to, to touch on or hit on? Uh, I want to know a little bit about your business. So, what what do you think? Um, what do you think that that you can do, or have you have you thought about how big you want to be, or what where you want to go with yours? I uh, I don't know. I mean, I know I know that I want to I want to be the the business owner perspective. You know, uh-huh. for a long time I, I had this dream, this idea of just being kind of a one man show, but you know, with a family. And, yeah. uh, you know, just the, the one-man show doesn't give you the freedom and flexibility uh, that people think of when they, you know, want to have their own business. Right. Um, so uh, that from that perspective, uh, I don't know where that puts me, but I would like to have, you know, a small business with, you know, several multiple technicians, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. Well, um, maybe we can go over that after the podcast. I can give you some give you some information. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there's there's certainly an opportunity where you service. Absolutely, there's an opportunity um, to build as big of a company as you want there or other places too. Right. Um, so certainly doable. Uh, it really doesn't matter where you live. If you're in an area that has a good population, that's really all that matters. Because there's wildlife in all 50 states. Right. Um, you know, maybe there's some areas of, of uh, Antarctica you probably don't want to operate in. Right. Um, but, 
you know, besides that, I think there's there's certainly opportunities uh, everywhere. You just need it's it's really, you know, what what creates our industry is human population and wildlife come together. Right. So typically, it's an urban environment. Um, you can certainly you can certainly work out in the country and out in the woods with, with landowners, but I think you're very limited there. Right. Um, a lot of people out there, like myself, they shoot their problems. Yep. Uh, they're not worried about hiring anybody. They'll just do it on their own. Right. So, you know, it's just about getting out there. Uh, we already talked about getting the leads, um, figuring out a way to just close that gap between the customer and your business yeah. um, so that they know about you. Because if they don't know about you, they're not going to hire you. Yep, that's the key. So, yeah, so it's 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 just about getting in front of them somehow, some way. Um, obviously, the Internet's important. The referrals are important from other companies, um, but uh, it's certainly certainly there. Yeah. Okay. Well, man, I appreciate you making the drive and meeting up with me. Yeah, uh, man. So give everybody, you know, how they can follow along with you wherever you want to yeah, direct them. Yeah. So um, you can, uh, you can of course listen to my podcast, Wildlife Control Podcast. You can find it anywhere. Um, you can email me, Kyle at firstcoastwildlife.com. Um, um, I'm typically typically will respond to people within within 24 to 48 hours, depending on the day. And uh, you can follow me on social media. Uh, really, only use Instagram. You can just search Kyle Waltz. It's Kyle dot Waltz. Uh, follow me on there. I'm not extremely active, um, not as active as I should be at least. But it's because most of my life is pretty boring, sitting behind a desk. So I could send you a selfie every day, but that's about it. Uh, my, my, my days are pretty boring for the most part, or dr- I'm driving. So I, I travel probably, lately it's been like 50% of the time. Before that, it was like 80% of the time uh, for work. Right. So it's not so bad right now. But, uh, but yeah, you can find me there. All right. Well, I appreciate it, and uh, and uh, hopefully we'll talk in a, a year or so, and I can give you a lot of good updates. So. Absolutely. Hopefully before that. That's right. Cool. All right, man. Appreciate it.